Before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech ha'olam asher kitsheno b'mitzvotav v'tivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. You know, there are certain rules and certain instructions that are really important to follow, and some of them are not necessarily popular instructions. If you pay attention these days, there is an instruction not to text while you're driving. And you might think that that's crazy that it's necessary to uh, have that rule. And yet, how many times have you been on the road and you've seen someone with their phone and they are texting while they're driving? How many have seen that? On the freeway even, yeah. And sometimes those people are going way too slow. Sometimes they're going way too fast. And sometimes they just are driving way too close. There are some studies that indicate that texting and driving is very similar to being drunk, to being over the legal limit. It's an impairment of capacity. There's an old saying about drinking in America, don't drink and... Right, so we know that. Isn't that a good instruction? Don't drink and drive. And if you've ever gotten medications like antihistamines or some uh, pain medication after surgery, you might have seen an instruction not to operate heavy equipment. Now, how many of you would like to operate heavy equipment sometime in your life? (laughs) Yeah, Aaron Jacobs was uh, a commander captain over naval ships and a commodore over many ships, big ships. Biggest ship, how big was it, Aaron? For me, 22,000 tons. For Aaron, 22,000-ton ship. That's big. To be a person who is in charge of heavy equipment, you need all your faculties, right? And even to drive, you need all of your faculties. And I bring this up because when we're out on the road, we're vulnerable, yes? And we're counting on people to follow like common sense and good instructions for our sake and for their sake and for everyone else's sake. There are instructions that are really, really important. And yet many, many people like to get like new toys, you get a new piece of uh, electronic equipment or something. Who wants to read the instructions? Nobody. You just want it to work for you. And, and often it's 
It's possible not to follow instructions or even know the instructions and to do fine, but there are other times when it's either frustrating or it's disastrous to not to know how to operate something or how to handle something. That reminds me of an experience I had some time ago with uh, Cantor Aaron. He gave me a knife, a really sharp knife, a really sharp knife, and sharper than any knife I had, but it was a special knife that had, uh, oh, I don't even know how to describe it, but it, it had a mechanism where you could push a button and then you could flick open the knife. Not a switchblade, if you knew that, but something with some power to it and sharpness. And so he gave it to me and asked me to try it. And I didn't understand how a knife, a handheld knife, could have power in it. But when I clicked the button and the blade opened up, it opened up uh, with more force than I was holding the handle. <laughs> and to Aaron's surprise, went in his direction. Yeah, but he's fast. But after that, after he saw how little I knew about how to handle such an instrument, he did encourage me to practice more in order to not injure myself or him or anyone else. And he also warned me not to cut myself in my thigh because I could cut an artery that would cause me to bleed out and die. Thank you for that advice. And so far, I have not cut myself with that knife anywhere. Yeah, it's nice lunch conversation. Instructions, that's what we're talking about. There are certain things that require instructions. And I wanna to talk to you about Basic instructions is almost square one type of things, getting back to square one. Life has some instructions. And the life of faith has some instructions. And I want to review with you some of the basic instructions. We're going to find some of them in the Torah portion and in some related scriptures today. The word Torah can be translated into English as law, and it sometimes is because it has the binding authority of law, but it's probably best translated into English as this phrase, God's instructions. And so life comes with instructions. That's what the scriptures are all about, and we get instructions from the Lord. He's the manufacturer. And if we ask this question, how do we build a good life? How do we put together a good life? The scriptures are very clear about how to do that. And Yeshua emphasizes this, that we have to start with our hearts and with love. Without love, nothing is going to work right. So Yeshua said that step one, the greatest commandment of all, is to listen to the one true God and to love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So listening to God and loving him, this is number one. And he said, the second great command, step two, is to love your neighbor as yourself. 
these two things go together, and they help us understand how to live. Yeshua taught us that these two commands work together and, and they bring clarity to us about what's foundational and most important about the life of faith from the scriptures. That with these, everything else can be put in order, but without these, nothing will be prioritized or understood correctly. Matthew 7, verse 12 Yeshua said, in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the essence of the Torah and the prophets. So the first two steps in God's instruction about how to live are centered on loving God and loving people. These two go together, and they should not be separated. And this helps us understand what God wants for us. He wants the very best for us, and he wants the very best from us. He wants our love, and he wants us to love him and to love other people. This becomes our life's work. It's easier to say you love God than it actually is to love people. How many can verify that? And yet, <laughs> and yet, we're called to connect our love of God and our love of people. In fact, we're called to connect everything to our love of God. If you love me, then why do you ignore what I say to do, Yeshua said. Why do you ignore my teachings? Love and action go together. Love and and people go together. God and people go together. All of this works together, and this is foundational. You can start somewhere else, but you'll end up with a wrong understanding. Years ago, I was in Azerbaijan, in the mountains of Azerbaijan, in a Jewish city that's been there for centuries. I've talked to you sometimes about that. And it's in the middle of a Muslim country. And I was talking to some of the Jewish leaders there. And one of them said to me, Shabbat is the most important thing for the Jewish people. Shabbat is what has kept us. And I can understand that, being in the location that they are and the circumstances that they have been. And so I told him that I had heard another rabbi give a different idea. He said that the Shema and the Ve'ahafta were the greatest commandment, to listen to God and to love him with all of our heart, soul, and strength were the greatest commandment, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. This was the second greatest. And this Jewish leader said, I like that. Who said that? So it's a chance <laughs> to say some things. You know, sometimes in the Jewish world, people don't reject Yeshua or his teachings. They reject a popular image of him, but not him, because they, don't, they haven't been introduced to him or know his teachings or his life 
or what the scriptures have to say about him. And so it's always interesting to have new ways of introducing him to people. So the scripture teaches us that our life's work is centered on the life of faith in God and the life of faithfulness to him and with people. This is foundational. Now, the scriptures also teach us that we need to consider our use of time and our priorities. This is part of the instruction that God gives us. And he teaches us that you and I need rest, a particular kind of rest that's not to be confused with sleep or leisure. It's what we call Shabbat. And we're instructed to set aside the seventh day of each week as a special time of rest where we worship and we serve God together with God's people. We do it in a Messianic community in the Messianic synagogue. We also need to learn how to use our money and to set priorities for our money. The man who discipled me when I was a new believer told me that money was, was like a cruel taskmaster that could rule over you unless you learn to rule over it. How many have ever found that money was running away from you and that instead of being drawn to you, it was seemingly um, opposed to you and giving you difficult, difficulty? And how many have ever had that joyful experience of discovering that you have more money in your bank account than you thought? legitimately, you know, not a bank error or something like that. And there's some relief, isn't there? But the scripture teaches us that we need to learn to use our money and to set priorities. And one of the teachings, and again, it's not completely popular, but it's useful, is to give the full tithe at the house of God. And I want to connect all of this. You'll, you'll see a common idea that unites all of these actions. They're all based on giving our best and giving it first. So love comes from the best part of our heart and from the best part of our mind and our soul, and that's what God asks for. He asks for us to love him. And Shabbat comes from the best part of the week, the last part, when you're most tired, right? And it would be so easy to do something else or even to try to work more and harder to make up for whatever it is you're missing. Our tithes come from the best part of our finances. You see, God is asking for our very best, and he's starting with our love. He wants our love. And then he adds to it, plus a full seventh of our week, plus the first 10% of our finances. And we discover something, that God is not asking for our leftovers or for our scraps or for the things that we no longer value that are sort of worthless to us or the, the things we're trying to get rid of, you know, that are in the back of our car, in our trunk, that we're going to take to goodwill, just trying to clear out some of the stuff or the things that we would put in the recycling bin or throw away. God wants our best. He wants to give us his best, and he wants us to give him our best. And that connects to this week's Torah reading, Parshat Terumah, 
Terumah offering was a special offering that came from the top, if you will, the very best. It was different from the tithe. And when it was introduced, it was first used uh, for building the house of God, the sanctuary in this case, the mishkan or the tabernacle. Let's read about it in Exodus 25, verses 1 through 6. And as we do this, I want you to pay attention to motivations that um, this passage speaks about. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive or collect the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ramskins dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastplate. And then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Give the best is what Taruma is all about, the cream from the top. Give what's most choice, and you see the details. It's very specific, gold, silver, bronze, etc. And what's the goal? What's the motivation? It's to build a sanctuary for the Lord because he'll dwell in our midst together. And it's not just the building, it's the being together, being together with him. He wants to be with us. And the Lord adds this other instruction that's in the earliest part of that passage where it says, receive this taruma offering from me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. The offering was to be collected only from people whose hearts stirred them. And can you imagine hearing this news that God wants to dwell in your midst and among you. How exciting I think that must have been. And those who were really stirred, these are the ones who were instructed to give. The people who, who had no response, the Lord didn't want them to give. It wasn't right to just compel those people who didn't have a heart from God. The people who were stirred, the people whose hearts uh, were in favor of this project that the Lord was presenting, these were the ones he wanted to receive the Taruma offering from. So he's looking for people whose hearts are stirred in his direction and who can receive specific instruction. The Lord wants this, this, and this. He wasn't interested in this, this, and that. And the people who were stirred, these were the ones who gave, and they gave a variety of things. Because people had different stuff. Some had gold who were stirred and they brought gold. Some had silver who were stirred and they brought silver. Michelle Allen and I were praying together this week and considering this week's Torah portion. And he said, people, the Jewish people received different things from the Egyptians when they went out from slavery. So they had different stuff to give. And he said, for that reason, each person can give differently according to what they've received. And in the Brit Hadashah portion, which we read today, 
it mentions that the widow who brought two small coins and gave that as her offering was giving something that the Lord delighted in and took special notice of and thought in some ways it was superior to the much that richer people had given. It's interesting. I think the same is also true about spiritual gifts, that one has the gift of helps, for instance, another has the gift of healing, one has the gift of hospitality, and we use those gifts that God has given us. We also read this, that God knows how important his presence will be for the people Israel. Without God, Moses says, that Moses can go nowhere and do nothing. If God doesn't go with us, we can't go at all. There's no sense in trying to live this life of faith without God. And when God is with us, everything changes. So when we come to the house of God on Shabbat and we're together, we're with people who love God and one another, and God does amazing things. He fills us up. He encourages us. He answers questions. He meets needs. He gives breakthroughs. He touches our hearts. He reveals things to us. He sends his spirit to us. He uses his family to strengthen us. He pours out love upon us. He teaches us. He guides us. He renews and refreshes us. All of this is possible. Sometimes you may have had this experience where you come into the service and you're tired, and you leave the service full of energy. Not because it's over, but because you received vitality from the Lord. How many have had that experience? Sometimes people come into Shabbat exhausted, and yet they dedicate their hearts their minds, their attention to the Lord, and very quickly they're refreshed and revived. So if we think about Terumah, the Terumah offering in the heart of God, and ask this question, what does he hope for and what does he desire? We find an answer. He wants to live with us. And he wants to be with us as we gather with each other. And all of this was happening during the early days of Israel having come out of slavery, the days of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle. But it was to prepare us for the later days, the time of Messiah when the temple would not be standing, but the Messianic synagogue would become a physical sanctuary for God. And we, the disciples of Messiah, would become living stones built together to become a living temple for the Lord. I love what Isaiah captured in Isaiah 30, verse 18. It's the essence of what God wants for us. It says this, The Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. The Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. I love that English word, long, because it, it, it captures something, to have a longing. 
is to have a desire that's important that continues. It's not just a momentary desire. It's a strong desire that continues for a long time, thus longing. And how is this fulfilled? How is Isaiah 30, verse 18, really brought into fullness? It's through Messiah. It's through the new covenant. It's through what you could call the renewed covenant or even the updated covenant. That's another way of putting it. God wants to do so much for us. He's longing to do so much for us. So that tells us it takes time. And it's more than a visitation that lasts for a few hours or days. It's a whole new way of life. Sometimes people are so enthralled with a visitation from God, they think, that's it. I had a few hours or a worship service or two weeks that, that were so exciting. And they can be. They can be very powerful. But the Lord wants to give us more than a moment. He wants to give us a whole new life and a new way of life. It's the life of faith and faithfulness. And the Lord knows how much we can receive when we are with him in the synagogue, when we are with him worshiping together, when we assemble together on Shabbat, on the holidays, during times of prayer together, during times of fellowship. And every year during Parshat Teruman, the weeks connected with this theme, we encourage our members to give special offerings. And so many have contributed. So many have put in blood, sweat, and tears, labors of love that are deeply appreciated. Your generosity is appreciated. And I want to thank everyone who has given financially with time and effort with prayer and work to build the synagogue and our Shalom Center. And I want to thank everyone who gives of their time and talents to serve in the ministries of the congregation to continue to build up this community. And I'm excited because we're pushing forward with our Torah services. Our goal is to restore weekly Torah services, and we're making good progress. And we're pushing forward with our Shalom Center hospitality ministry. We've restored our weekly Onegs, and we're looking forward to more people joining the ministry team. Certainly, there are more hospitable people in the congregation who are saying, Lord, how could I serve you? We have ways. We're pushing forward with the Shabbat school ministry and our youth ministry. We're pushing forward with our worship ministry, with our international podcast and live stream ministries. We're pushing forward with our rabbi's prayer team ministry and our mishpacha group online prayer meetings. We're pushing forward with our Russian ministry to restore that ministry. We're pushing forward with our new members ministry, and we're pushing forward with our greeters and our welcome ministries, to name a few. We're pushing forward with our dance ministry. Be here next week. And the week after, you'll see. And I'm so grateful for everyone who's serving in the congregation, including those who are serving in ministry and serving on Shabbat. And I'm so encouraged by people who are serving because their hearts are stirred and they're saying to the Lord, I'll serve you. Count on me. Count me in. And I want you to remember that your service, like the service of the Levites in the 
Kohanim, the priests in days of old. It's not work work. It's ministry work. It's avodah, which is in Hebrew, the word that in modern Israeli Hebrew is used to uh, say work. But in biblical Hebrew means work. It means worship. It means ministry. It means service. It means all of those things. It means uh, so many different things. And when you're serving the Lord, it can be done in many different ways. Colossians 3.23 puts it this way. Whatever work you do, do it with all your heart. Can you say that with me? With all your heart. Just as though you were working for the Lord rather than just for people. Whatever work you do, do it with all your heart as though you were working for Yeshua. Because you are working for him. Do it as though you were because you are. When you carry the Torah, do it with all your heart. When you're changing a diaper in the nursery, the Lord counts it as worship and service. Do it with all your heart. When you stand at the door and welcome people to services, put your heart into it. I am so grateful for everyone who's taken their membership in the congregation seriously and are serving the Lord in the congregation. And there are several important motivations at work that cause people to be wholehearted in this. They want to give. They want to build. They want to be with God. And they're building together because God wants to be with them and they want to be with God and they want to be with people who want to be with God because they take seriously the idea of a community of faith. What is the measure of the heart? What portion of the heart is God looking for? The whole heart. All our hearts without reservation. Luke 12, 34, Yeshua said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. The people who gave were wholehearted. They treasured being with God and each other. They wanted to give terumah from the top, the first and the best, the cream. This we know. This may sound like a little turn, but it's how I want to bring us to a point of conclusion. Some breakthroughs in our lives come suddenly and some come little by little. But many breakthroughs involve a spiritual stirring, a stirring of the heart and a stirring of the spirit. Exodus 35, 21 speaks of this stirring and it says that they came, everyone whose heart stirred them up and everyone whose spirit was willing. These were the ones who brought their Teruma offering because they understood it was a labor of love. And they, they wanted to build the house of God, not just physically, but in the spirit and as a community. And they stirred. They were stirred in their spirits and they were stirred in their hearts. They were moved to action and they, they had hearts that were willing and they thought positively. They wanted to see something happen. They were saying yes to the Lord. And that's what Thessalonians says 
about the attitude to have in Messiah. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Messiah Yeshua. Don't quench the Spirit's fire in you. An old friend, Neil Labar, has a custom. He taught his children and community. It's when the Spirit of God is stirring you, you've got about 10 seconds to respond. And after 10 seconds, people tend to forget or to not do it. And so when you say yes, let it be a clear yes. And when the heart of God stirs our hearts and the Spirit of God stirs our spirits, that's when our hearts and minds and spirits and souls are working right. I want to thank the Lord for stirring us, for reviving us, for giving us a hope and a future in Messiah Yeshua. I want to pray for everyone who wants to experience the return of vitality in your own life. How many could use some more vitality? Let's pray for that. Thank you, Lord, that you revive us in Messiah Yeshua. Thank you for resurrection life. We're looking for resurrection life on this side, not just after we die, but while we're living, that resurrection life would work in us and would revive us now. You long to be compassionate and merciful to us. Pour out your life on us. Fill us with life. Through Messiah Yeshua we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, for everyone who is watching by podcast, you actually listen by podcast or watching on YouTube or on uh, Facebook, I hope one day you can come join us in person. And for everyone who can join us in person, welcome and welcome back. And keep coming. We'll be back on next Saturday for our Shabbat service. We'll also be live streaming the synagogue service as well. And we're going to close with Aaron's blessing and for those who are blessed by this ministry, would you consider standing with us financially? You can get all the information at our webpage, bethisraelnow.com giving for all the details. And now Aaron's blessing, and my dear friend Aaron is coming up to stand with me. My wife has abandoned me. I'm not sure where the heck she is. I want to stand alone. You're not alone. I want people I'm... to think I have friends. <laughs> Even though he gives dangerous knives to his friends that could hurt them, but he teaches them how to not be hurt. Yes? I call them sleep aids if you're not careful. <laughs> Think about it. Okay. You want to do the ironic benediction? Uh, I can. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm, can I be Mike? Yes, you can. Step up to the mic. Okay, I'd like you to close your eyes. You're standing together and let these words wash over you. I say them and pray them with as much power as I possibly can. I deeply wish it for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant each and every one of you his peace. 